I was looking for by means of certain small scars rising along its trunk, and by a limb extending over the river, and another thinner limb growing near it. This was the tree, and it seemed to me standing there to resemble those men, the giants of your childhood, whom you encounter years later and find that they are not merely smaller in relation to your growth, but that they are absolutely smaller, shrunken by age. The tree was not only stripped by the cold season, it seemed weary from age, enfeebled, dry. I was thankful, very thankful that I had seen it. So, the more things remain the same, the more they change after all. Nothing endures. Changed, I headed back through the mud. was tremendous, an irate, steely black steeple beside the river. I was damned if I'd climb it. No one but Phineas could think up such a crazy idea. He, of course, saw nothing the slightest bit intimidating about it. What I like best about this tree, what I like is that it's such a cinch. He opened his green eyes wider. Is that what you like best? That was my sarcastic summer. 1942. Eh, he said. This weird New England affirmative always made me laugh, as Finney knew. So I had to laugh, which made me feel less sarcastic and less scared. There were three others with us. Phineas in those days almost always moved in groups the size of a hockey team, and they stood with me looking with massed apprehension from him to the tree, its soaring black trunk was set with rough wooden pegs leading up to a substantial limb which extended toward the water. Standing on this limb, you could, by a prodigious effort, jump far enough out into the river for safety, so we had heard. At least the 17-year-old bunch could do it, but they had a crucial year's advantage over us. No upper middler had ever tried. Naturally, Finney was going to be the first, and just as naturally he was going to inveigle others us into trying it with him. We were not even upper middlers exactly, for this was the summer session, just established to keep up with the pace of the war. We were in a shaky transit that summer from the groveling status of lower middlers to the near respectability of the upper middlers. The class above, seniors, draft bait, rushed ahead of us toward the war. They were caught up in accelerated courses and first aid programs in a physical hardening regimen, which included jumping from this tree. Finney began stripping down to his underpants. For such an extraordinary athlete, and even as a lower middler, Phineas had been the best athlete in the school. He was not spectacularly built. He was my height, five feet, eight and a half inches. He weighed a hundred and fifty pounds a galling ten pounds more than I did. He began scrambling up the wooden pegs nailed to the side of the tree. At last he stepped out onto the branch. Is this the one they jumped from? None of us knew. If I do it, you're all going to do it, aren't you? We didn't say anything very clearly. Well, here's my contribution to the war effort. And he sprang out fell through the tops of some lower branches and smashed into the water. He bobbed instantly to the surface again, 
Great. That's the most fun I've ever had this week. Who's next? I took off my clothes and started to climb the pegs. I don't remember saying anything. The branch he had jumped from was slenderer than it had looked from the ground and much higher. It was impossible to walk out on it far enough to be well over the river. I would have to spring far out or risk falling into shallow water next to the bank. Finney shouted. When they torpedo the troop ship, you can't stand around admiring the view. Jump! With the sensation that I was throwing my life away, I jumped into space. Some tips of branches snapped past me and then I crashed into the water. My legs hit the soft mud of the bottom, and immediately I was on the surface being congratulated. I think that was better than Finney's, said Elwin, better known as Leper Lapelier. All right, pal, Finney spoke in his cordial, penetrating voice. Don't start awarding prizes until you've passed the course. The tree is waiting. Leper closed his mouth as though forever. He didn't argue or refuse. He became inanimate. But the other two, Chet Douglas and Bobby Zane, complained shrilly about school regulations, the danger of stomach cramps, physical disabilities they had never mentioned before. Finney said to me at last, It's just you and me, pal. We started back across the fields, preceding the others. We were the best of friends at that moment. We'd better hurry or we'll be late for dinner, I said. Finney winked at me. Hurry? Since from dinner had been noticed. The following morning, Mr. Perdome stopped at our door. He was broad-shouldered, grave, and he wore a gray business suit. He was a substitute for the summer. He enforced such rules as he knew. Missing dinner was one of them. If you hadn't already missed nine meals in the last two weeks, he broke in. Finney began. The real reason, sir, was that we had to jump out of that tree. You know the tree. Well, we had to do that, naturally, because we're all getting ready for the war. What if they lower the draft age to 17? Jean and I are both going to be 17 at the end of the summer. Leper Lapelier is already 17, and if I'm not mistaken, he will be draftable before the end of the next academic year. But we're all right. Jean and I are perfectly all right. There isn't any question that we are conforming in every possible way to everything that's happening and everything that's going to happen. Mr. Perdome released his breath with a sort of amazed laugh, stared at Finney for a while, and that was all there was to it. The Devon faculty had never before experienced a student like Finney, who combined a calm ignorance of the rules with a winning urge to be good, who seemed to love the school truly and deeply, and never more than when he was breaking the regulations, a model boy who was most comfortable in the truant's corner, the faculty threw up its hands over Phineas, and so loosened its grip on all of us. But there was another reason. I think we reminded them of what peace was like, we boys of sixteen. Phineas was the essence of this careless peace.
I was beginning to see that he could get away with anything. I couldn't help envying him that a little, which was perfectly normal. There was no harm in envying even your best friend a little. He got away with everything because of the extraordinary kind of person he was. It was quite a compliment to me, as a matter of fact, to have such a person choose me for his best friend. Finney never left anything alone, not when it was perfect. That afternoon, as we were crossing the commons, he said, Let's go jump in the river. He forced compliance by leaning against me as we walked along, changing my direction. I don't really believe we bombed Central Europe, do you? said Finney thoughtfully. No, I, I don't think I believe it either. Bombs in Central Europe were completely unreal to us here. Not because we couldn't imagine it. A thousand newspaper photographs and newsreels had given us a pretty accurate idea of such a sight. But because our place here was too fair for us to accept something like that. As we came to the river, Finney said reflectively, Are you still afraid to jump out of that tree? Afraid to jump out of the tree? I expect it'll be a very pleasant jump. Rigid, I began climbing the rungs slightly reassured by having Finney right behind me. We'll jump together to cement our partnership, he said. We'll form a suicide society, and the membership requirement is one jump out of this tree. The Super Suicide Society of the Summer Session. How's that? Well, that's fine. That's okay. We were standing on a limb. I inched a little farther out than Finney. I turned to make some stalling remark and then I realized that in turning I had begun to lose my balance. There was a moment of total impersonal panic, and then Finney's hand shot out and grabbed my arm. With my balance restored, the panic immediately disappeared. I turned back toward the river, moved a few more steps along the limb, sprang far out and fell into the deep water. Finney also made a good jump, and the Super Suicide Society of the Summer Session was officially established. It was only after dinner, when I was on my way alone to the library, that the full danger I had brushed on the limb shook me again. If Finney hadn't come up right behind me, I could have fallen on the bank and broken my back. If I had fallen awkwardly enough, I could have been killed. Finney had practically saved my life. He had also practically lost it for me. I wouldn't have been on that damn limb except for him. The Super Suicide Society of the Summer Session was a success from the start. We began to meet every night to initiate new members. The charter members, he and I, had to open every meeting by jumping ourselves. This was the first of many rules that Finney created without notice during the summer. I hated it. I never got inured to the jumping. Every time I felt a flash of disbelief that I was doing anything so perilous. But I always jumped. Otherwise, I would have lost face with Phineas, and that would have been unthinkable. Everyone has a moment in history which belongs particularly to him. It is the moment when his emotions achieve their most powerful sway over him, and afterward, when you say to this person, life or reality, he will assume that you mean this moment, even if it is fifty years past. For me, this moment four years as a moment in history, was the war. The war was and is reality for me. 
I still instinctively live and think in its atmosphere. These are some of its characteristics. Franklin Delano Roosevelt is the President of the United States, and he always has been. The other two eternal world leaders are Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin. America is not, never has been, and never will be what the songs and poems call it, a land of plenty. Nylon, meat, gasoline, and steel are rare. There are too many jobs and not enough workers. Money is very easy to earn, but rather hard to spend, because there isn't very much to buy. Trains are always late and always crowded with servicemen. The war will always be fought very far from America, and it will never end. Nothing in America stands still for very long, including the people, who are always either leaving or on leave. People in America cry often. Sixteen is the key and crucial and natural age for a human being to be, and people of all other ages are ranged in an orderly manner ahead of and behind you as a harmonious setting for the sixteen-year-olds of this world. When you are sixteen, adults are slightly impressed and almost intimidated by you. This is a puzzle, finally solved by the realization that they foresee your military future, fighting for them. You do not foresee it. To waste anything in America is immoral. String and tinfoil are treasures. Newspapers are always crowded with strange maps and names of towns. And every few months the earth seems to lurch from its path when you see something in the newspapers, such as the time Mussolini, who had almost seemed one of the eternal leaders, is photographed hanging upside down on a meat hook. Everyone listens to news broadcasts five or six times every day. All pleasurable things, all travel and sports and entertainment and good food and fine clothes, are in the very shortest supply, always were and always will be. There are just tiny fragments of pleasure and luxury in the world, and there is something unpatriotic about enjoying them. All foreign lands are inaccessible except to servicemen. They are vague, distant, and sealed off as though behind a curtain of plastic. The prevailing color of life in America is a dull, dark green called olive drab. That color is always respectable and always important. Most other colors risk being unpatriotic. It is this special America which is the real America for me. In that short-lived and special country during that summer at Devon, Finney achieved certain feats as an athlete. One day he broke the school swimming record. He and I were fooling around in the pool near a big bronze plaque marked with events for which the school kept records. Under 100 yards freestyle.